Welcome to episode 282 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Craig, Ati, and Candice. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Craig, Ati, and Candice, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. Today, since I am traveling this week, I'm going to share with you Mary Pearl T. Talking about step seven. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Well, this tells me I can't remove these defects or shortcomings by myself, that only God has the power to do that. You know, and the thing about it is, all I've got to do is be willing to live as if they have been. I ask God to take them and then act as if they have been. Live in the now. You know, go about my business of replacing them with positives opposites. What is the positive opposites of character defects? Well, if you're a liar, the positive opposite is tell the truth. That's not real difficult, is it? You know, there, there's just a lot of the things, you know, work on improving your honesty. And I took this step on my knees. There is a prayer, a third step prayer and a seventh step prayer in the big book. And I reaffirm my spiritual connection each day by saying that third and seventh step prayer to start my day. I made the connection many years ago, but I reaffirm it every day. Keep it fresh in the forefront of my mind that I'm turning my will and life over the care of God, and I'm asking God to make me of use to Him and to take away the things from me that stand in the way of that usefulness. And then I go about my day. And the thing about it is... Uh, this is allowing God the freedom each day to work in my life as he sees fit. You know, in the beginning, I would say to God, okay, God, I'm going to give you this today. I'm going to give you that today. Well, I don't do that anymore. I just give God the whole deal. But I had to come at it little by little. And it's okay. It's okay to do this. And when you're in tune with the will of God, things go a lot easier for you. Now, I my self-centered fears. I was afraid of storms. Now, I didn't know. You say, well, why is that a self-centered fear? Because I'm afraid I'm going to get my butt blown away. They can't be much more self-centered than that, you know. And why am I that way? Well, I was raised in Arkansas. We're in the middle of what is known as Tornado Alley. And uh, we have lots of tornadoes every year. And my grandmother, when it would say, uh, when you'd see storm clouds coming, they would say it's coming up a cloud, which means there's a big storm coming. And then we would go to the storm cellar. Now, I'd just soon be blown away by the tornado is to go in the storm cellar because it's underground. And we have a high water table, and it would be damp in there, and there would be spiders and sometimes snakes. Excuse me, that's a given, spiders and snakes. Tornado is a maybe. This is a given. (laughs) And my mother was terrified of those storms. So, see, that's a learned fear. That's not anything. Did you know the only fear an infant is born with is the fear of falling? That is the only fear an infant is born with. And the rest of them are pretty much learned fears. 
So anyway, I had this fear of storms, and I'm going, okay, God, I'm ready to give you up the fear of storms. Now, what normally happens? The storms come through anywhere in the middle of the afternoon to uh, late at night, and you, J.D. was working nights, so I was there by myself. I've got two dogs, and I'm watching the television. Now, the moment you become in a, where the weather is getting where one of these could be produced, they have what they call the tornado watch. And they put a little tornado down on the bottom of your TV screen and say it's a watch. In other words, be aware a tornado could happen. And then when one enters the county where you're living, it becomes a warning. If they have found rotation in that cloud, it becomes a warning. And then the sirens start, the civil defense sirens, and they blow and they blow. And by the time that you've watched that thing come all the way up on that TV screen over a period of hours, you are so in tune to the storm that you're petrified by that. And when the siren goes off, it's like my nervous system just ejaculates. You know, it's just, (laughs) I'm just berserk. I am just berserk. And now I've got to get my dogs together, and we've got to go to a place of shelter. Well, I don't have a storm cellar. And so they'll tell you to go to an inner room, so I have a small inside closet in the middle. Because you don't want to be around any windows, because most people are killed by flying debris. So you want to get into a small space. So I'm trying to get my dogs. They don't like it. They've, they've been picking up on my energy all day long. The fact that I'm nervous and I'm afraid. So now they're growling and snapping at one another. And I've got to get them in the closet. And I'm in the closet and I'm terrified. And the phone rings. <laughs> well, what if I'm killed? I'll never know who that was. <laughs> So now i got to get out of the closet holding the dogs and tell them, I can't talk, I'm in a closet, you know. <laughs> just just stupid stuff. This is before cell phones, obviously, you know. And i got a newsflash. Cell phone is worthless in a storm like that anyway because of all the lightning and everything comes with it. But anyway, so we're in there in that closet, and I'm doing this, and it's funny. One day it hits me. You know, the tornado has never hit me, although I have been around where they have been. Uh, when I was a kid, we had one took the roof off the house. But nonetheless, the fear of the storm gets me every darn time. I don't want to be afraid of the storms. I want to be able to recognize, yes, it's a dangerous storm, but I don't want to be so terrified that I'm like this jangle nut for hours because if something were to happen, I couldn't deal with it because I've already worked myself into a frenzy. So I asked God to remove that. And I would pray that, God, please take away that fear. God, please take away the fear. And so then I noticed that if I didn't have the TV on and watch that little symbol all day long, I wasn't feeding that fear. I can read. I can do something constructive. I can read some of my literature. I can do something else. I don't have to watch the TV symbol. When the siren goes off, I'm not jangled because I haven't precipitated that all day long. And so, therefore, I can take my dogs, and they're not in a nervous fit because they haven't picked up off my energy all day long, and we can get in the closet and take what precautions we need to partake. Well, my sister and I have gone out for dinner one night in a nearby area, and while we were in there, it came up a storm, and we noticed that when we were going out to the car, it was quite a bit of wind and rain. She had just gotten her hair done at the beauty shop that day. She didn't want to get hers messed up. As you see, mine doesn't mess up, so... 
I said, no big deal. You take the umbrella. Well, she only got a few feet and the umbrella went wrong side outwards. And when I got over to the car, I was trying to open my car door. I could barely open my car door against the force of that wind. And all this debris and stuff was flying around. And I am getting so aggravated because I'm getting dirty from the debris. And we get in the car and we go just a little bit. And I said, it's too, it's too windy to drive. I'm going to pull over and just wait till this passes. And we had on the radio and it talked about a tornado on the ground in Sherwood at the Indian Hills exit. I'm sitting at the Indian Hills exit. <laughs> that debris that was irritating me was part of a church that was coming from a block away that had been hit. A block away. We were out there in that turn tornado. And I said, Dorothy, we have just survived a tornado. She said, really? And I said, well, is that amazing or what? I said, here I am. I've been in the tornado and I'm okay. I guess I don't have to be panic about that anymore. You know, and it was so funny because, see, I would never known that that fear had been gone until if that hadn't happened. And so nowadays I don't go into all of that or anything. I, I can even have the TV on and watch the stuff. But I realize that it doesn't make any difference if I'm in the tornado, if I'm in the hurricane, because I've been in the earthquakes, I've been in the hurricanes, I've been in all, all of that kind of mess, the volcanic eruptions over in Hawaii. I've been there when it was doing that. And it's like God takes care of me. Either God, you're going to trust God or you're not. It's that simple. Either God is everything or God's nothing. There it is, you know. And so God took that fear away from me. Well, when I was fishing with my daddy as a child, daddy got spider bit one night. By the next morning, if I hadn't have known who my daddy was, I wouldn't have recognized him. His face was so swollen. It had been a black widow. And so he went to the hospital. He nearly died. And the, the flesh where he was bit rotted off. And so whenever I would see spiders all my life, I would look at it and say, it's going to eat my face. Because that's what I could relate to as a child, seeing what it did to my daddy's face. And I was terrified. And I said, you know, I, I live where there's a lot of spiders. You know, I live in the south. We have a lot of insects in the south. And spider's not an insect, actually. It's an arthropod. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a nasty little beastie. And so... And we have from little bitty ones to the brown recluse to the giant tarantulas, you know. And I said, I just, um, I'm, I'm, I hate it that I can look at one teeny and it looks the size of a dinner plate to me. Because fear is a magnifier. Fear magnifies things and makes them worse. And so I would scream at J.D., you know, come in here and kill this spider. It's the size of a dinner plate. And he'd say, honey, it's the size of a dime. I said, it looks like a dinner plate to me. And I tell him, you know, come go in there and kill it. I'm locking the door till you get it killed and show me a carcass. It's not coming out. <laughs> and I wasn't joking. I wasn't joking because I was terrified of spiders. And I found that I asked God to remove that from me. And I, little by little, I could take and kill little bitty ones and what have you. You know, and I don't have to be. I can see one now and I can get out of the way and I can knock it down and I can kill it. Before, I couldn't because I knew it was going to get me before I could do something. And so that's a little thing, but it's a, it's something that kept me from enjoying the life that God had for me there. You know, that's what fear does. It's a thief that robs you of being able to enjoy life. And then, I don't know how many people here are afraid of the dentist. Nobody afraid of the dentist. Well, thank you for your honesty. Uh, I was terrified when I was nine years old, went to the dentist, I got hurt. And um, I just couldn't get over it, so I would never tell them when anything was wrong with my teeth. And so uh, when I was overseas, I had some dental work done, and then it had been 26 years since I had been to a dentist. 
Now, by the grace of God, I had good teeth. But I was very careful to take care of those good teeth, too, because I didn't want to. But what would happen was, if I didn't, if I had a toothache and I didn't take care of it, after a while, you get where you couldn't stand hot in your mouth, and you get where you couldn't stand cold in your mouth, and you get couldn't stand your tongue in your mouth, and then they'd end up abscessing and you'd lose your tooth. And so I do a lot of travel, and I was reading in a magazine about nursing homes, and they were saying that people in nursing homes wished by long shot they had taken better care of their teeth because so many of them are in there having to gum it up, you know. And I thought, I don't want to be like that. Well, it just so happened this particular day my mother had called and thought she was having a heart attack, so I grabbed her and rushed her to the hospital. And I'm sitting there in the emergency room, and all of a sudden I realized the filling that I'd had 26 years ago had come out of my tooth. Mother pale in significance. She's just having a possible heart attack. I have a filling. And so the nurse came out in a little bit and told me that it was not a heart attack. She had a hiatal hernia and it was giving her a problem. But they wanted to watch her overnight and I'm going, fine, fine, fine. Whatever, whatever. You know. And so I'm there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, you know how it is. Oh, God, not my tooth, not my tooth. Oh, God, not my tooth. And uh, I got the phone book there in the emergency room. I'm looking, and I'm saying, God, I need help, but I don't have a dentist. I don't have a family dentist. When you don't go 26 years between visits, you don't have a dentist. And so... I said, God, I need help. And so I opened up the phone book to the page for dentists, and right there was a half-page ad. We cater to cowards. <laughs> I thought, damn, that's my kind of dentist. <laughs> and so I called, and I said, uh, you know, I got hurt when I was nine years old. You know, we have to tell them everything, you know. And the girl said, can you come right now? Right now? <laughs> right now? And she said, yes. And I went, oh, God. Well, see, God knew if I waited, if I didn't go right now, then I would chicken out, and then I'd end up losing the tooth. And so God provided me a first-time person to call a dentist, a family dentist, and get in right then. So I got in my car, and I drove over there, and I stopped the car, and I got out, and there was an arrow that said, we cater to cowards. And going upstairs, and I looked, I'm right across from the freeway, and I thought, well... I can throw myself in the freeway, or I can run up those steps. It's six and one, half a dozen of the other. Okay, God, please go with me. Go with me. And so I got in there, and the, she knew who I was immediately. I don't know how she knew the fact that I was, hello. And so she gave me this form to fill out. I couldn't tell you my date of birth. I mean, I was that terrified sitting there. I was shaking so hard. And, you know, the irony to this is that we had had dental insurance through my husband's office for years for his company, and I had never gone because I was afraid. And so, anyway, I managed to fill out that form. I had to look at my driver's license to find out what my date of birth was. And I got it filled. And all of a sudden, though, I listened to the music that was coming in the office, and they were playing an FM station. And the woman who was the disc jockey on the FM station is one of my grandbabies in sponsorship. And when I heard Ann's voice, it was real common to me. And I knew it wasn't a mistake that I had asked God to go with me, and God had put something familiar in a really terrifying place. And so I heard Ann's voice. 
And then they called me to go back into the office there, and I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God. Because the last time when I went, dental chairs looked like a barber chair with a tarantula hanging over the top of it. <laughs> and, you see, there gets spider, too, you know. And uh, instead, though, it was a nice little chaise, and I'm looking out the window at the golf course. And they had these light panels up on the ceiling. And uh, over the top of the light panel was a poster, and it said, God, grant me the serenity. The serenity prayer God put right over my head in a terrifying moment that I got very, very calm. And the dentist came in, and he's a very soft-spoken man, and he said, I understand that you're really afraid. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, um, they've made a note. And I looked on my chart, it says, super chicken. And... <laughs> He said, uh, we do a lot of children and we do a lot of people who've had bad experiences. And he said, um, you just, just touch me if you're, if you're uncomfortable. And he said, we're not going to hurt you. And somehow or another, I believed him and he didn't hurt me. And I've been able to go to the dentist ever since. You see, God took away that. And it's like now when I get a little bitty something, I just, I call him, I go, this Mary Pearl, I got to come in right now. Well, we don't have an opening right now. Well, you had an opening when I need you before. You better create one. <laughs> you know. But anyway, I was able to do that. I had a fear of height. You know, I had uh, all like that. And so it was so funny. When I became to get rid of the fear of height, the first time I went to see the Grand Canyon, I crawled on my belly like a snake and looked in <laughs> and said, yeah, it's nice. Backed up. <laughs> it's the best I could do. <laughs> And I've been privileged to go there and speak. They have a conference over there over the years about three times, and I've been able to dance around on that edge now. But it, how that came about, I asked God for help. I said, I want to be able to see and do things like normal people do, where I'm not afraid that when I'm standing up, I'm going to be pitching forward, you know. And so um, for Christmas, the people I sponsored gave me a hot air balloon ride. <laughs> They gave me this big certificate for my hot air balloon ride. I finally got around in June by a lot of prayer, and I made an appointment with a guy. And so the whole group came out for the ascension (laughs) and had a video camera. And I said, I want a picture, you know, of all this. And so the funny part about it was it was one of those. And there's a gap here where I guess they were changing tapes or something and recording the talk. And he had a whole week. And I said, well, you're getting to witness a miracle, bud. And he said, what? I said, I'm up here in this height, and I'm afraid of height, and I've been in a long time, and I'm asking God to do a miracle today, so you may get to see a miracle. And so just blow it off, you know, went on. And so then it came time, and they were going to throw the guide rope over for us to come down, and he forgot to click it on when he threw it over. He said, that's the first time I've ever done that. (laughs) So we kept going. And now you have to get up real quick because of the power lines. And so he got up real quick, and they were going, and he said, and we just kept on going, and we just kept on going. And he's after a while, he said, well, we're going to have to land pretty soon because we're running out of fuel. And I'm thinking, okay. And... (laughs) 
He said, uh, we'll probably need to drag off on the top of a tree to slow us down because the day, I mean, if you go long enough, the wind gets higher and then it's harder to stop them. And so he said, okay, so we're dragging off on the, and they tell you if you lean over and you get the leaves, they're called lucky leaves. Well, I had some lucky limbs and um, (laughs) we got hung in the top of a big oak tree. We actually got hung. And so now we're teeter-tottering in this about 80-foot oak tree. And uh, that's when the fear of height left me. I decided height was good, ground was bad. (laughs) Ground looked awfully bad at that point. And so... We finally broke off enough limbs to get loose, and we used what power we had, and we land in a fresh uh, field where they have thoroughbred horses, where they do horse racing, and they had just mowed the hay. And so we land in this field, and he said, before you land, he said that we need to tell you, this is going to be a crash landing. No. (laughs) (laughs) He said, "Uh, you need to bend your knees. I thought, man, I ain't having a problem with that. And he said, because you bend your knees, that's your shock absorber. And he says, because when you hit, you're going to hit and you're going to bounce and we're going to fall over. And it's going to drag us for a little bit, but then it, then you'll stop and you'll be okay. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go, God. And so we did exactly what he said. We bent our knees and we tipped over and then we just gently came to a stop. And I thought, I want to do this again. <laughs> This was a lot of fun, but I also realized I wasn't afraid of that height, and so I couldn't wait, and so I was going out to Flagstaff, like I say, a few weeks after that, and I went back out, and I was able to dance around out there at the Grand Canyon, and I said, it's so remarkable. It's just remarkable when you allow God to remove these things that keep you from enjoying life like God has intended you to have it, you know, and I've been privileged to get to do a lot of the hot air ballooning, and I just love it. I had a fear of getting old. I guess we can forget that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <laughs> and did you know, too, that our defects call to the defects in others? You know, defects don't like to play by themselves. They never come just one for defect. You're always practicing more than one when you're doing them. Because they they like to come together. Like if you have a defect of fear, then it might make you lie. So now you got fear in line. You see? And sometimes when you're being a jerk, have you ever noticed how other people will be a jerk too sometimes back when you're being a smart aleck or whatever? See, that defect in you calls to that defect in them. They love to play together. And I just needed a change of attitude. That's what it amounted to. You see, it's called what I call the black dog, white dog principle. Inside all of us is a black dog and a white dog. The black dog represents all of the negatives. And the white dog represents God and all the positives. And these are always in a fight. Now, who wins? The dog you feed the most. The dog you feed the most. So the more that you do the prayer, the more that you do the meditation, the more that you're in contact with God, the less you're going to have to do the black dog things, you know. And one of the first things I saw... um, that God did for me along this was removed. I was a very aggressive driver. I got angry easy. I liked to blow the horn, yell, cuss at people, flip them off, you know, that kind of thing. 
And I found out that every morning if I buckle God in next to me in the car and I drive with God sitting next to me, I don't find it necessary to cuss people out, to flip them off, to do all these things, you know. It's just not necessary because I know God's sitting right there, you know. And then after a while, it depends because God's inside of me. I realize that wherever I go, that I am an extension of God's love and that I can't be doing these things if I'm being an extension of God's love. And... uh like when we have these really hot summers like we've had, we had one oh, two or three years ago, and we're having a really hot summer now. Uh, tempers are quick. The hotter the heat gets, you know, you, you get up, you know. And so I said, I don't want to be, and I notice when, when I find it necessary to yell at somebody, stupid, you know. How could you do that? And it's like, don't you remember there's days you get up for whatever reason, you leave your reflexes at home? And you make mistakes driving that you don't normally do. Everybody does it. There's days you really shouldn't be behind the wheel. And you're not doing it to the other person. You're just screwed up. That's all. And so I decided I would try to make some humor out of that so I wouldn't have to react negatively. And I also sponsor a lady who is um, a lieutenant in the state police. And so she's always cautioning me. And... um, she, you know, I don't, the thing about it is, if I break the law, she'll arrest me, and I know it, and I respect her because of it, you know. And uh, so I have a tendency to have a heavy foot sometimes, so I use cruise control a lot to make me stay within the speed limit. But people will irritate me sometimes when they pull in front of you and slow down, or when they don't merge and they just force you off the road kind of thing. And so I got an old hair dryer, and I cut the cord off of it. And it looks like a radar gun. <laughs> and I and I drive a car that they used as a police cruiser, that same kind of model car. And so, therefore, I look like an unmarked, because it's white. I have an unmarked car with a radar gun. And so, for my birthday the other day, she got me a state trooper hat. <laughs> I'm having a ball, you know. <laughs> You'd be surprised how people even pull over for you. It's hysterical. (laughs) I told her, I said, can I be arrested for impersonating a trooper? She said, with a hair dryer? (laughs) (laughs) We just thought it was great fun, you know, great fun. There's also another prayer I try to use, and that's God, treat me tomorrow like I treat others today. You know, treat me tomorrow like I treat others. Because this makes you do it better. Because, you know, there is a spiritual principle that what goes round comes round. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.